Al-Fatah. All right. Maybe you didn't start the recording. So whose feast is it tomorrow? I wouldn't show Kevin. March 9th was Pope Krillos and Pope Shnuda. All of them are in March. And if you guys want to have a seat, you can. Or you can stand and talk. You know, that's good too. Um, so I thought today I'd talk a little bit about uh, Pope Krillos. And I know we've heard so many sermons on uh, Baba Krillos and so many of his attributes and, uh, attributes and so many of his characteristics. But I want to focus on one characteristic today more than any of the other characteristics uh, of Baba's life. And the characteristic I want to talk about is his hidden life. The hidden life. Um, and, you know, when you look back at the story of, the, of Jesus telling Peter to catch fish, you guys remember that story? He told him to go someplace. Where did he tell him to go? Where did Jesus tell Peter to go? The deep, right? He told him to go to the deep spot. And if you think about the way, you know, he didn't have a rod and a reel, right? He had like those fishing nets, right? And you know the fishing nets? They just, you throw them, they're like a circle, and then they just kind of land, they have weights on the ends, and they just kind of grab whatever is there, and then you pull, right, and you grab whatever fish it happens to land on, right? So you can't catch fish in the deep, right? You have to throw it in a shallow area where you can probably see the fish. You throw it, and then it just kind of lands on top of the fish, the fish don't know what's happening, and then you pull it, okay? So if you throw it into 50 feet of water, you're not going to catch anything, right? That's just not going to happen. So logic, intelligence, fishing experience will tell you, let me rephrase that, the world will tell you that the catch is in the shallow. The, the catch, the fish, is in the shallow. And then Christ told him the exact opposite. That's Mission Impossible. I love the song. I just can't. That's so cool. I love that ringtone. Okay, I haven't heard that song in so many years, and now I kind of miss it. All right. Um, there's a show called Mission Impossible. For those of you who don't know, best show ever. All right. I did not know. I'm gonna stop the recording. So. So what the world tells us to do is the world tells us to stay in the, the superficial part, in the shallows, in the, in the part on the surface. And this is ultimately the way the world works. We all want to stay in the shallows. I mean, you see it, right? Our postings on Instagram and Facebook, what are they? Are they postings like, I'm having real problems? Let me tell you about what's concerning me. I think I'm a selfish person. No, the postings are here are the kids, here's us on vacation, here's everything looking great, here's me being so happy, I got some flowers, my wife made me this food, right? And we post shallow things. We don't talk about ourselves. We see that even in church, right? You come to church, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Right? 37 of these conversations, and you're like, okay, I guess everyone's good. Turns out no one is actually good, right? All of us have issues. 
right? But we want to stay at that shallow, superficial level. And that's where the world wants us to stay. And if you see it in our teenagers, it's very extreme. All the teenagers are very much in that shallow area. Right? That's where the world wants them to be. And then Christ tells us, I want you to move to the depth. I want you to move into the deep. I don't want you to stay superficial. And so St. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became adult, an adult, I put away my childish ways. And so Christianity has to become that. Right? We live in a, we're kind of in a, in a church that's very catered to children. Right? You see all the Sunday school we have outside. Right? When we're little, the kids have like plays and they have retreats and they have trips and activities and we go to bowling and we do all this stuff for little kids. Okay? And then what happens when we become adults? Why does the church stop catering to us? We still need nourishment. In fact, we need it more than the kids do. And so we can be fooled into thinking the, kid, the church is a kid's church. I mean, if you counted the number of activities in any given church, between the plays and the chorale and the retreats and the Boy Scouts and the basketball and the whatever, 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 it's all kid stuff. And what Christ is calling all of us to do is to become adults. We have to move from childish Christianity to adult Christianity, right? And if you imagine someone who's growing up, who, you know, you meet this kid and you say, what grade are you in? And the kid says, I'm in third grade. You're like, oh, that's great. And then after a few years, you meet that kid and you say, what, what grade are you in now? He says, I'm still in third grade. You're like, oh, okay. And then you meet him a few years later and you say, what grade are you in now? He says, I'm still in third grade. You know, people start talking like, you know, that kid's still in third grade. There's something wrong with that kid. He should have moved on by now, okay? But believe me when I tell you, sometimes we stay at third grade in our spiritual lives our whole life. You know, have we met adults who are still in third grade spiritual level? Sure. Are some of us at third grade spiritual level? Sure. Are some of us at the same place we were at five years ago? Sure. There's something wrong with that. We can't be. If we're still at the same place we were at five years ago, something's wrong with the school. Something's wrong with the system. If I'm not growing and I'm not developing and I'm not challenging myself, if my kid comes to me and says, uh, I said, how was math class? And they say, math class was great. We learned all the things we learned last year. I'd be like, time for a new math class. You need to, to push, you need to grow. So the depth is where we need to push ourselves. And one of the things, one of the things that's amazing about the, the depth, the oceans, and it's almost like God created it this way, is that we still haven't discovered all the things in the ocean, right? Because they don't even make submarines that are strong enough to go to the very bottom of the ocean. You know, like the Mid-Atlantic Ridge and stuff, some of those deep places, right? And they keep making submarines that are stronger and stronger, and they go down further and further, and every time they discover new things. There's so much to be discovered there. In fact, the fish there don't have eyes, because they don't need eyes, because it's too dark. There's no light. And so the fish have adapted. So there's a whole world down there in the depth. So it never gets boring. Why am I saying this? Because as we start to grow in our spiritual life, if at any point we're like, yeah, this is kind of boring, it's the same thing, 
then something's wrong. You're not getting any deeper, right? If it's the same fish that you see at the surface, you're, there's something off, right? As we go deeper and deeper, everything changes. The coral changes, the fish changes, the sea life changes, everything changes, right? And it's new, and it's never to be completely discovered. And so the, the life of Pocrylus is one of depth, not shallow, not superficial, not surface. He went deep, and the depth is where the catch is. And that's all he did. He didn't talk, he didn't give talks, he didn't give sermons, he didn't stand there and give the adult meeting or the sermon at the church. He didn't do any of that stuff. He focused on his life with God, just that. And he stayed focused on that hidden life. And every time I think about that hidden life, you know, always that analogy of, of the iceberg comes to mind, right? I mean, you, know, you all know how an iceberg works, right? The iceberg is this big old thing in the, in the water, and you can only see the tip of the iceberg, right? In fact, that's an expression, the tip of the iceberg. And the only way the physics works out is that below that tip of the iceberg is a huge iceberg underneath. And it's almost like it's, it's, a, it's a reminder of how our spiritual life has to be. We don't want anyone to see the rest of the iceberg. We don't want people to know what's beneath the surface. In fact, if we can be one of those icebergs that doesn't even have a tip, that's even better, a real flat one. If I can stay completely beneath the surface and no one sees me or no one knows me or no one hears about anything I do, perfect. That's the best outcome. I want most of my, hidden, my, most of my life to be hidden, my life with God to be hidden, not exposed. I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone to see it. Right? And that, unfortunately, is the exact opposite of what everything we do, right? I mean, if I think about the way that the church taught me, it says, the church said, you know, confess your sins openly, publicly. In fact, in the early church, you all know, confession was public. Among a group of believers who are all struggling together, just like a good AA meeting, right, where you show up and say, hi, my name is Mark, I'm an alcoholic. And one says, hi, Mark. I'm an alcoholic too. We all get together, we sit in a circle, we say, hey, I'm Mark, I'm a sinner. And we say, hey, Mark, I'm a sinner too. And it was very therapeutic, and it was perfect. And, it, and the church called us to expose our sins and hide what? Our talents. Hide the talents, expose the sins. And now what do we do? The opposite. Right? We expose the talents, we let everyone know it. Everyone, we want people to know what we're doing. But yet all of our sins, we keep those hidden beneath the surface. And so the church is calling us, and Pope Krillus' life exemplifies this. He takes the world and the, the, the shallow, superficial world that the world teaches us is the right way and flips it. He says, no, 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 it's going to be like an iceberg, the way God made it. Most of it stays hidden, and we only see just a little bit of it. Right? And in fact, the... The, the, what we saw from Pope Krillus' life were the crumbs, if you will, that fell off the table. Just the, the crumbs that fall off, right? The, 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 you know, when you drizzle chocolate on a Sunday, right, and some of it drips onto the table on accident, that's what we got from Pope Krillus' life. I'll tell you guys a story. When the cathedral was opened in Egypt, and we just celebrated its 50-year anniversary a few years ago. You know the cathedral in St. Mark's Cathedral in, uh, in uh, Abyssalia? It's in Abyssalia, right? Um, when they opened that cathedral, it was a big deal. 
and dignitaries from all over the world came. The Secretary of State of the United States came. Hellas Lassie, the Emperor of Ethiopia came. All these big, big guys came. And Abu Amina tells a story. He was his disciple. And he said it was a, a magnificent day for the Coptic Church. It was glorious, right? You build this huge cathedral, and everybody's there, and heads of state. And so on the drive home, he tells Pope Kyrillos, he says, you know, that was a, a glorious day. That was a beautiful day. And you know what Pope Kyrillos said back to him? He said, Habibi, that day doesn't compare to one night in the Tahuna. You guys know the Tahuna? The Tahuna is the windmill that Pope Kyrillos lived in. Has anyone ever been to that Tahuna? It's just a little circular ruin. Okay, it's just a bunch of bricks that should be knocked down at some point. But because he lived there, we retrofitted it. It's just an old building. And he said that all that glory and all that pomp and circumstance from the day at the cathedral didn't compare to one night in the Tahuna. So I'm wondering what he saw every night in the Tahuna. And we have no idea. All we know is that he said it doesn't compare to one night in the Tahuna. But he never told us what it was. This kind of reminds me of St. Mary. Lots inside, it just doesn't talk about it. That's the hidden life. That's the life we need to go for. That's the life we saw in Pope Kyrillos. The one which that's hidden between me and God, between me and me, where the battles aren't public. I don't tell everyone about all my things and my problems and oh, this Abuna did this and this servant did this and then I did this service and then I did, and then I posted about it on Instagram. I went to go feed the homeless and then I went to, it's me and God and it's me and me. And Pope Carlos had this beautiful saying. He said, let us disappear so that God can appear. Let us disappear so that God can appear. And we see this in Pope Carlos' life a lot. You know that when he went to the seminary, at some point he just left the seminary. Does anyone know this? He just up and left and went to Upper Egypt. Said. You know why? Because he found out they were going to make him a bishop. That one of the bishops was thinking about making him a bishop. So he left the seminary, went to Asyut, right? Just showed up in Upper Egypt to be as isolated and away as possible. And he used to do these things, like he would wake up at four in the morning, two in the morning, he would bake his own hamal every single morning, and then he would pray tazbihah, and then he would pray ashayah, and then he would pray the liturgy. Every day, just him, just him and himself. He didn't care if anybody was there, he didn't want it recorded, he didn't want it live streamed, he didn't care. This was between him and God. This was my time. And he did all of these things where he did them all hidden. And that was where the depth was. He even used to clean the toilets. And so we see this. Who's he, who's he mimicking here? We see this even in Christ's life, don't we? Didn't Christ try to hide? Remember at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, the first miracle? His mom said, Yalla, make some wine for them. And he's like, it's not my time. She had to push him. No one had seen a miracle from Jesus. Obviously she had. But no one else had seen anything. And he wanted to stay hidden. And she pushed him and said, no. And then she told them, do what he says. Even though he never really actually agreed. She just said, do what he says. 
and she knew her, her son would do it. And then we see that when he was baptized by St. John the Baptist, again, you know, St. John the Baptist is out there baptizing people, this guy shows up, all of a sudden St. John the Baptist has this reaction, and he's like, um, shouldn't you be baptizing me? And Jesus just says, let it be so. Let it happen. Let me, I'm just going to go through the process just like everybody else. I'm just going to get in line, like with all the other people. I'm just, Jesus stood in line behind other people. A lesson we can all learn in our Coptic churches, right? He stood in line, and then he took a turn, and he got baptized. When he got there, John, John, St. John the Baptist, of course, had a reaction. And then what happened? He tried to stay hidden, and what happened? God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God exposed him, even though you wouldn't have known it. Even on the cross, he's sitting there, he's being killed, people are cussing at him. You know, that's just part of crucifixion, right? Part of the Roman rite of crucifixion was everyone shows up and you cuss at the guy who's being killed. And you curse him and you say bad things about him. He's standing there for like 10 hours just dying. And yet people are cussing at him. Why would you cuss at the Son of God? Because you don't know it's the Son of God. Right? In fact, even the disciples kept asking him, didn't they? What did the disciples ask him over and over? Are you the Messiah or not? Can't you just tell us? So he was hidden even from his disciples. And then when he died on the cross, everyone's like, all right, finally this guy died. This guy's causing all these problems. And then the earthquake happened. And then the sun goes dark. And then it even says the rocks split. It's like the earth reacted and said, no, we're not going to stay silent. He wanted to stay hidden. We will not stay hidden. And so even in his crucifixion, he was staying hidden. And this is a very important lesson for us because sometimes, especially in today's society, our world has become more exposed and more showy. In fact, we even have words like humble brag, right? Which is why I pretend to be humble, but I'm actually bragging. Right? It's like, oh yeah, my son, he got into Harvard, and you know, that kid, <laughs> right? What am I doing? I'm obviously going to want to tell you my kid got into Harvard, and my kid's better than your kid, and I'm better than you. That's really the objective there, right? So... Jesus says in, in, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So he told his Father, it's time for you to glorify me. It's time for you to expose me. It's time for my hidden life to end and for people to see. And that's why we talk in, in, in Epistle of St. Paul, we'll say things like, the Father rose the Son from the dead. You're like, what does that mean? Again, the Father is exposing His Son. So, the lesson from Pope Carlos for all of us is, let's focus on the hidden and not the exposed. Spiritual life isn't at church. I'll say this again. Spiritual life is not at church. Spiritual life is at home. It's at work, it's at school, it's at the grocery store, it's on the freeway, it's with homeless people, it's with people who need your help. That's where spiritual life is. You don't come to church and be spiritual and live a spiritual life and say spiritual things. This isn't the place for it. What is this place then? It's a place where I come and I drink from the fountain of life. I come and I get filled with the bread of life. 
I take Christ in me, and then what do I do? I leave, and I go somewhere else, and then I spread the light everywhere. Not here. Don't be the light of the church. No one's interested in the light of the church. We need to be the light of the world. We take communion, we take Christ, and then we go, and we become light. So the spiritual life isn't for the church, and it's for us to be between us and our Savior. Looks like Sunday school is almost ending. I'm trying to figure out what to say, what not to say. Um, I guess this will just be my, my last encouragement. Make your service as hidden as possible. As few people to know about it as possible. And avoid the temptation to reveal, to share, to tell people about spiritual experiences, about what you know, what you've done, what you've heard, who you talk to. Yes, I was talking with Sayyidina the other day. Yeah, he calls me a lot out of the Sayyidina. And you know, you know, Sayyidina, you know, Sayyidina says, he's coming over my house later. Uh, all right, lovely. Congratulations. What did you achieve? You know, a few people know you know Sayyidina. Big deal. Who cares? And who cares about Sayyidina? I am being recorded. So. Yeah, Nagy, why you gotta ruin it? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I appreciate No, you want to help me out? Let me say what I want to say. Um, what are you talking about? Okay, the last thing I'll say is part of this interior life, part of this hidden life, this focus has to be a focus on my own personal shortcomings. One of the temptations of the world is we focus on the shortcomings of everybody else. It starts with our spouse. We're very good at focusing on the shortcomings of our spouse. Husband, wife, our kids next, my mom and dad next, aunts and uncles, cousins next, okay? And the circle grows. And we're excellent, excellent at pointing out the shortcomings of everyone around us. Well, you know why you said that. It's because you're actually very selfish. And you know why you thought that. It's because you don't want to do this. And this is the last time you did it. I remember with my mom last time when you said this. Well, that's because, right? And we're very good at focusing on others. And what I want to encourage you to do and what Pope Carlos did and how Pope Carlos changed the church was he focused on himself. So I'll read you a quote. It says, if you want to help the church, it is better to try to correct yourself. Which again is the opposite of what we normally do. If we want to help the church, we gossip, right? We talk about Sayyidina and we say, here's what he's doing wrong. And if I was a bishop, I would have done this. And if I was a priest, I would have done that. And if I was a servant, I would have done this, right? And we talk about how everyone is making mistakes. He says, if you want to help the church, correct yourself. Rather than be looking to correct others. If you manage to correct yourself, one small part of the church is immediately corrected. Naturally, if everyone did the same thing, the body of the church would be in good health. But today, people concern themselves with anything but themselves. Today, people concern themselves with anything but themselves. You see, this is important, judging others is easy, whereas working on yourself takes effort. So one of the reasons we like to judge others is because working on ourselves is very hard and it's unpleasant and it takes, it's difficult 
and I don't like seeing the ugliness in myself. So I'd like to see the ugliness in you. And I'll point out the ugliness in you, and I'll talk about why you're bad, and I'll post about you, and I'll cancel, and I'll shame, and I'll use social media to attack people, and all the things that we see happening. Why? Because I don't want to work on me. And so part of what we learned from Pope Kirillus is just work on yourself. Pope Kirillus changed the entire Coptic Church after a hundred years of darkness. How did he do that? Sermons? No. Attacking people? No. Giving lots of talks and lessons? No. Reprimanding, excommunicating people? No. He just lived. He lived the depth. He loved God. And that, that light became a light to the entire church. And that's all he had to do. Does anybody have any questions? I'll end now. I think all the kids are coming in at some point. Questions, comments, criticisms, complaints? Gossip? Gossip. Huh? <laughs> and glory be to God for a Amen. All right, let's stand and pray really quick.